Guys, we're back. I'm back. Most of you guys never left. You've been watching all the other shows. I had a pain in the butt project at work come up, and yeah, it drug me out for a couple weeks, but I'm very glad to be back. Um, speaking of being back, we have a return guest who I'm very excited for too. So I'll tell you about our sponsors so we can get straight to Dylan. There's us, the Not A Real Libertarian podcast. You can find us on Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Twitter. And actually, I'm pretty sure, but not positive, I uh, did hear that our Twitch might not be streaming right now. But in general, you can find us on all of those places. Also, notarealpodcast.com, which is a pretty dope website. Uh, we do have some merch and stuff. We have some new merch, really exciting stuff, and notarealpodcast.com. I could put you in first class up in KY. That's James Toyer. He's running for the State House of Kentucky, and his website is toyerforky.com. T O L L E R, the number four KY.com. That is James Toyer for Kentucky. And Chris By for Alaska's congressman. Chris has been on the show. He's an awesome dude as well. Um, Alaska's congressman. They only get one. And obviously, it should be Chris. His website is www.itstimealaska.com. I saw a weird fact the other day that pointed out it actually takes less time to say World Wide Web than it does to say www. So see if your life's ever the same again. The Libertarian Party Veteran Caucus, leading libertarians to veteran issues and veterans to libertarian solutions. Or if you watch this show, you know that it is leading veterans to libertarian issues and libertarians to veteran solutions as always we have redemptiontactical.com oh i'm just going to go ahead and pull up the redemption tactical banner and not take off the veteran caucus one there we go redemptiontactical.com uh for all of your tactical needs they got all the basic stuff like the plates and the kits and the pouches and the carriers uh they also have some uh cooler stuff that you don't see everywhere like the ballistic face masks and on the screen is our link. And if you use that, they know that we sent you. All right. And like I said, y'all, we have a returning guest today. It is Mr. Dylan Fiesel from Altus, Oklahoma. Hey there. Man, do I say your last name right? Is it Fiesel? It's not, but that's okay. It's Fiesel. Oh, Fiesel. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude. I it's, think... it's a French pronunciation on a German name. Well, that actually kind of makes sense. I think uh, I think Will said it correctly last time then, and uh, I'd never met you before, and I was just thinking, I was just degrading Will in my head. He doesn't know That's what right. he's talking about, saying Fizzell. All through basic, it was Fizzle Louisel, so. Really? Yeah. Well, Dylan Fizzell, how's it going, man? It's going. Life is, life is, life is going. Yeah, over in freaking awesome Altus, Oklahoma. Altus, Oklahoma. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, Altus isn't like so cool. Like, I don't guess it's world renowned, but um, for someone that lives in central Oklahoma, like Altus is beautiful. Well, thank you. It's it's I'm I'm pretty proud of my hometown. It's the it's got its problems, but I'm proud of it. Well, glad to hear it, man, because I really do like it. I like going that far west, and if you go that far east, uh, it's pretty cool too. Yeah. Man, right before we came on, we were talking about something, and I was going to bring it up immediately because I thought it, I mean, we were talking about McCord. I thought it had something to do with that, maybe. Oh, well, 
Man, I wasn't going to jump right into damn story time. I don't know, because we got kind of an update. Uh, whenever I looked at the link on Facebook, um, I didn't see the episode description. But for what I described the episode is uh, that we had Dylan on and not Dalton Matthews. Because, as you know, like a couple of weekends ago, I was camping uh, yep. you know, with a couple of libertarians, including the Matthewses. Wonderful people, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they sure are. They sure are. Um I asked him if you do the podcast, and he said his Wi-Fi situation probably isn't up to it, which yeah. I understand uh, absolutely because, yeah, I didn't have good enough Wi-Fi to do my own show for the first couple weeks. Yeah. But, yeah, Dalton's an awesome dude, and he's a funny dude, so he'd be a great guest. His Todd impression is fantastic. Dude, I mean, I don't even <laughs> – is fantastic even good enough? Yeah, it's pretty spot on. It's funny. It's absolutely funny, dude. He says, uh, you know, if he has his um, – video off for like XCOM meetings and stuff. He can yeah. pass his toss and yeah. pass his Todd. Yeah, of course you can dude. <laughs> and he said, whenever uh, he showed Todd to it, Todd's like, do I really talk like that? And everybody's like, yes, yes 100%. Yeah. I mean, he's good at impersonations or no impressions, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's good at impersonations. He's very good at the impressions, but that one is so good. at scary. Yeah. He's a little tall to impersonate Todd. Maybe so. <laughs> and he's got a unique hair color too, but uh, that's part of it. Um, so the Matthews, uh, kind of mutual friends of ours, and they are actually, um, I mean, Southwest, but they're a lot closer to me than you are. They're probably about halfway between the two of us. Yep. Yeah. They're about 45, 50 minutes from me. Um, and so it a big state. It is pretty big. Honestly, dude, I've never been really anywhere close to the panhandle. I don't think, but I mean, going to Altus, you're basically all the way West. You're not going much further West and then, uh, (laughs) Going uh, over by like the law, uh, Lawhorns, they uh, that's almost as far east as you can go. Yeah, yeah Oklahoma is big. Um, and we were talking about Air Force stuff right before we got on. And what was your airframe that you were crew chief on? C-17s. Okay. They uh, they they got started in the technically the late eighties, eighty nine, but they really started ramping up production in the early nineties. So I guess if – don't they have some sort of refuelers in uh, McCord also? I don't know if they've got refuelers in McCord just because it was such a big base. And I was only there for tech school. So I only ever, oh, saw, gotcha. the, I only ever saw the C-17s. Gotcha, gotcha. I must have understood you a little bit. I thought McCord might have been your first base then. No, that was my second phase of tech school. Gotcha. My uh, my best friend growing up, Gage, he was stationed at McCord for his entire enlistment, yeah. and um, it, it was pretty awesome. He's a really like mechanically inclined dude, and whenever he joined the Air Force, the first job they gave him was Ops Intel. Yeah, and uh, I mean, probably a pretty cool job, and obviously he had the aptitude for it if they gave it to him. But he ended up getting switched to structural aircraft maintenance, which I was. I was elated for him because that's so much more up his alley. And yeah, yeah, he was at McCord and it sounds like a really cool place. I mean, a good area of Washington. You're not like, I think it's pretty damn close to Tacoma, right? It's right next to Tacoma. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's right next to Tacoma, not far away from Seattle. Uh, About 30 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty close. So that's awesome. That's uh, a hell of a lot bigger than where we grew up. Yeah. And when I, when I was PCSing to my second base, so my first base was in Greenland, and then when I was going to Korea, um, 
when you're cop, your weapons quals expire every year. Yeah. So you're supposed to renew them before you PCS. But in Greenland, we didn't have a range. So what they did is they just sent um, in like in route to your PCS. They would just send you TDY to McGuire in New Jersey and qualify there. And when I got to McGuire, it wasn't like a class of cops, which is not a very big deal. That's just what it usually is. Yeah. It was a bunch of crew chiefs that were getting ready to deploy. <laughs> and uh, so I got to hang out with them, and uh, it was pretty cool. I don't know. What, do you know off the top of your head the airframe for over there? McGuire, I'm going to say that they probably have they probably have heavies over there. I couldn't tell you the exact airframe, but they probably got some heavies just because it's a, a coastal base. Yeah, it is, and they have a CRG there, so that like I know they had like I think they had two or three uh, cop units, and usually because it's a, it's a big joint base anyways, because yeah, they yeah. share it with the army, and there's several units that are housed there. So I mean, yeah, no telling, but um, bet they have heavies too, but especially since they have that CRG. Yeah, yeah, I spent I spent all six of my year, years of my contract at Travis. Mm. I didn't go anywhere else but California, so. <laughs> How different is the job as a civilian? Uh, so because it's two different magcoms, the mission is drastically different, which mm-hmm. makes the job somewhat different. You have different priorities. So at Travis, we were AMC, Air Mobility mm-hmm. Command. <clears throat> so we were really fast-paced. Uh, we worked 12-hour shifts most of the time, and you were busy all day. Um because you just you had to get planes flying and put in the air. Mm-hmm. However, here at Altus, we're AETC, which is the training. So we do all the training for the pilots, loadmasters, and boom operators over here. And it's the ops tempo is a lot slower than AMC. Uh, however, because our planes are taking more short flights rather than long flights, our planes get beat up pretty good, mm. especially because they're students. So... It, it's just, it's different. Um, you know, I, I work from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. And so yeah. the n- night shift, swing shift and night shift really do most of the actual maintenance on the planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, day shift is more launch and recovery. Uh, but swing shift and, and nights do the most active maintenance. It's not a bad deal. Could be worse. I've worked a lot harder for a lot less. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you did. And then let's see, AMC, is it kind of true? They're a little bit unique because, I mean, I know AMC does have a headquarters, but if you're in an AMC unit, like, if you're a cop, whatever unit you're in, whatever MAGCOM you're in, that's your MAGCOM. But, like, whenever you're AMC, AMC is wherever AMC is, right? Am I explaining that right? Yeah. That's pretty because that's what Will was. He was air transportation, and then yeah. um, if you've just traveled in the military, if you've PCS and stuff, like every, ba- like all the civilian airports that I went to that had like military rotators, and maybe just every civilian airport I don't know has like an AMC terminal there. Yeah. So like, it was kind of cool. You just find like this little corner of the airport, and there's some like sergeant usually in blues, <laughs> and it's like, "What's up, dude?" He's like an airport employee. Yeah, AMC. They're they're everywhere. Mm. That's why ops tempo for them is so high, right? What do you know off the top of your head anymore? Like where their headquarters actually is? Is that right, Pat? Right, Pat's probably that would make the most sense. 
but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's been it's been long enough, and I don't really care. Oh no, of course, dude. And <laughs> that was kind of like one of the that was a really like random facet of the military that I was interested in uh, for no apparent reason. Maybe just <laughs> that it was simple enough I could remember. And I mean, I don't anymore, but you know, air combat commands here and AFSOCs here, yeah. and uh, I thought the whole Magicom thing was pretty cool. And then, be, I mean, might will have told me so. <sighs> Because yeah, I think I guess that would be unique. The AMC's chain of command might be different than like everyone else's on base. Yeah. Um. And, unless there were some other kind of unique uh, units like that. So that is something. Um. Will and I were just talking earlier today about there's a uh, Air Force policy, and I don't think it's an idea. I think it's gone through to allow, um. Like testing positive for marijuana is no longer a disqualifier. Um, oh, they for don't... recruitment purposes? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Just for recruitment. Yeah, absolutely. Just for recruitment. And they, they don't let you, like, proceed through MEPS, but they give you 90 days to retest, which is still, um, yeah. as I understand, uh, it's a, completely it's a, different. It's a big change from what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he asked me if I'd seen that article or read that article and like 99.9 percent of articles i see on the internet i just read the headline yeah but i mean i feel like that is for sure um just a result of the recruitment issue they're having right now yep 100 and, and it's probably not gonna like fix anything either i mean i mean no. plenty of people stop using like marijuana or any drugs like while they're in the military like plenty of people do yeah. but i think they just need that um they just need that flow of bodies, you know? Yeah. So they're going to come in and then a year later, they're going to piss hot and get kicked out. But you got to feed care. the war machine. And yeah, exactly. What's funny is, is our generation we're we're kind of wising up to it. And, and then we're passing along that kind of mentality to the ones below us. Like, Hey, maybe it's not such a good idea to go do this. And, and they're feeling the strain of a lack of recruitment true and i mean the people under us i've seen things and i don't know if it's uh i don't know if it's just boomer stuff i think it can't all be but like you know gen z with like the face tattoos and stuff like that i mean because even though the uh, military is loosening up on tattoo policy all the time um i still think face tattoos are not authorized yeah there's there's still a no-go yeah you can get stuff on your hands now Mm -hmm. which is which is new Yeah. yeah uh and then, of course, arms and legs have been pretty, uh, pretty easy for a while. But the hands, hands are pretty new. Neck, I think neck is the same as the hands. You can have anything on there, but it has yeah. to like, it has to cover less than like twenty five percent of the exposed area. Yeah, yeah. So you can have a small, which is wild. To yeah. Like me or you, our time that was a, <laughs> absolutely a no go. Nothing below Just the less wrist. Less than ten years ago, or, it was massively yeah. different. Yeah, massively. Yeah, pretty crazy. And then uh, you can put your hands in your pockets now. Which oh, is thank wild. God. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> hey, no, really. Hands in your pockets is a big deal. Really? You don't realize how much it means until they take it away from you. Yeah, whenever you're sitting there and, and you don't have anything else. I mean, you don't have any, any other way to keep warm, and you've, all you've got is your pockets Yeah, standing out on a flight line. Mm-hmm. There, th- I mean, this is – when I was in Greenland – it was, it must have been, it was either the spring or the summer, probably, I would say the spring. And I mean, it's pretty easy to remember just because there was light out. So, I mean, it yeah. wasn't in the winter. And um, I was like a, I was the 
police unit, which is not a very big deal. Whoever the armor was, was the uh, police unit. Um, because they don't need a police unit really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, things are pretty chill. And, um, I had already eaten breakfast that day, but my flight chief was in the chow hall eating breakfast. So I was just sitting in the patrol vehicle. Um, and, but he comes on the radio and I thought I heard him tell me to step out and, the nomenclature if um the desk sergeant who's just the dispatcher if they tell you to step up or even if like the flight chief gets on the radio and tells someone to step up that means like go to their office yeah okay so but he gets on the radio and he tells me to step out and i was like uh so i just called the desk sergeant and i was like did you hear what he said and she was like yeah it sounded like he told you to step out of your vehicle <laughs> so i was like all right so i'm just uh, i get out the vehicle and stand out there for maybe like 15 20 minutes and it was below freezing i know that i don't know how below freezing so my <laughs> hands are just absolutely yeah. freezing cold and i'm just sitting there or standing there you know felt like i was getting tortured and he comes out of the chow hall and he was like dude what the hell and i was like oh hey sergeant i'm here doing what you know you told me he's like i told you to step up like what the hell are you doing just standing out here like a crazy person and it, w- it wasn't ju- i mean I, you know step like i said step up means go to their office basically yeah. i've never heard someone say that like hey meet me in the chow hall so i thought i thought i was getting punished <laughs> for something so i was just out there trying to take my hazing like a good airman and he, he wasn't being a jerk he was actually trying to be nice it's funny. Yeah, so I wish we uh, were allowed to put our hands in our pockets back yeah. then. Yeah. Well, like on the flight line, they really didn't care too much. Well, most supervisors didn't care too much because you're just constantly out there in the wind. Yeah. And during the winter, it, it didn't get super cold, but it got cold enough where you, if you didn't have gloves, your hands were getting pretty t- pretty cold. Yeah. So we would, if we had our fleeces, we would put our hands in our pockets of the fleeces, but most supervisors didn't care, but we had one of one or two production supervisors that cared a little too much. Sure. Um, how was the state fair? Well, I ended up getting COVID, so I didn't get to go. Did you really? Yep. I ended up having to cancel all of my plans that week. Uh, that sucks, dude. Did it hit you hard or were you just yeah, trying not it, to get everybody it, else sick? It hit me pretty hard. Um, the guy that I'm staying with, he got it from another coworker. Mm-hmm. and then gave it to me and uh neither one of us came out of our rooms all that week yeah we just, the body aches and i didn't get any fevers but i had really bad body aches and really bad waves of fatigue that mm-hmm. i just didn't have any energy to get out of the house i watched three seasons of game of thrones that week nice <laughs> Dude, i just got done with a rewatch i think i think i watched the entire thing in two and a half weeks um but meaning, so like on the weekends, I could get through a season and a half pretty easily because that's yeah. basically all I did from sunup to sundown was watch. <laughs> and then after work, I would squeeze in like two or three episodes a night. And yeah, is that right? I think, is that possible? Eight seasons in two and a half weeks? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's most of them have like 10 episodes. So, mm. but yeah, I, I went through, I had never seen, so I stopped watching a long time ago around season, like halfway through season three. Oh, wow. And I just never watched it again. So I went through three whole seasons and and actually kind of somewhat enjoy it. But but overall, that's just not your thing? No, I mean, I like the politics of it and the fantasy of it. Uh, some of the storylines are like, uh, if I'm watching a, a medieval fantasy, it's a little magical for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the red, the red woman, I think is mm-hmm. what her name is. Uh, that storyline is kind of like up and down for me. Okay. Uh, 
but I, I haven't seen the entirety of it. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'm with you. That is fair. Man, that's one of those, dude. I recommend that to most people. I recommended yeah. it to Will in basic training, and there were probably three episodes out at that point. Yeah. When I was a senior in high school, um, we were literally learning about dire wolves and Native American history. <laughs> and our uh, teacher, he was really cool. That was his first job out of college, so he wasn't very much older than us. Yeah. Um, and actually, and th- we were all seniors in that class. We just needed like another like core elective or something like that. Um, it wasn't a mandatory class, so they were all seniors except for one. And you know, we started off. You know, he that's what he majored in in school was like Native American history. So he was into it and he was teaching us stuff. But after like the first nine weeks, he had an Amazon Prime account. Basically, all we were doing is watching movies on the smart board. <laughs> but we, we were learning about like literal dire wolves. And he's like, I'm sure everybody here is, you know, more than familiar with dire wolves because of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. And we were all like a game of what? Like, what is that? And he was like, you don't know about Game of Thrones? It's like the biggest <laughs> TV show ever. So I probably I think I went to Hastings and rented it. Well, back then it was it was an HBO exclusive, and you had to, and it was a lot more expensive than it is now. Yeah, dude. Like I, I I think that was the same exact time when I had OG Netflix, like (laughs) DVDs in the mail. Netflix, get 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 them in the mail, one or two discs at a time. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that I'm almost positive they did not have Game of Thrones. I'm almost positive, but I think I could go to Hastings and just rent them for like a week or something at a time. Yeah, and then yeah, so there was. Uh, I think was it closed by then? I don't know about. I don't know how many of them were closed. They were in Ardmore. They didn't have any more blockbusters. But so I think there's. So whenever the, when I first heard about Game of Thrones, I was a senior in high school, and I think there were three seasons out, at least two. And then I don't really remember the order after that. It's all a blur. But whenever <laughs> I was in basic training, we were about halfway through. I kind of knew Will a little bit better. Um, so I recommended to him. I was like, oh, if you're into politics, then uh, you should watch yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Game of Thrones. And I already told you um, because you're basically my number one Star Wars guy. Um, I have another close friend. He's uh, balls deep into Star Wars as well. He's the one that recommended the uh, Star Wars Theory podcast, which yeah. I'm a huge fan yeah. of. And he reads a couple of the books, which is a lot more than I do. <laughs> um, but I think you're probably the biggest intuitive of anybody I know. Um, well, the Star Wars thing that's been on the top of my mind, is there any canon or is there anything behind the theory of um, that all the Sith Lords like sense Darth Bane? Um they have it figured out to where they just inhabit the body of whoever kills them. So Bane and Canon. So Bane is not technical. Well, yeah, Bane is Canon, the character, the story behind Bane is not Canon. Okay. So the only, the only mention we have of Bane and Canon is from a clone wars episode. Okay. Where, uh, Yoda goes and sees a vision of Bane. And it's mm-hmm. like this samurai version. Uh, it's pretty cool. Mark Hamill does the voice for it. Um, <laughs> that's the only canon that we have of Bane. And the only essence transfer that you're talking about mm. is kind of what Palpatine tried to do. Well, he did successfully do from one body to another uh, in Rise and attempted to do with Rey. Um, but that's the only, the only mention in canon that I know of. Mm-hmm. of essence transfer right now so why is the whole thing so i even wondered when i was like a kid and um i mean not that i'm old i remember i was probably in preschool or kindergarten when phantom of the menace came out mm-hmm. 99. Um, 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I was absolutely in preschool, and I thought it was super cool. Um, so that, that's why I don't hate Phenomenus now because I yeah. liked it when it came out. Like the Naboo Starfighter, I think is yeah. an awesome thing. And I, I don't know. I mean, Phenomenus was. I don't hate it at all. Duel of the Fates. That's all you got to say about episode two. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, man. That's pretty awesome. And I actually just kind of learned the significance of that, you know, a few yeah. months ago. But um, I so I'd seen Return of the Jedi was my favorite uh, up until that point. And yeah. I thought it was really weird why, like, Sidious was encouraging Luke to kill him. Yep. Oh, kill me and your journey's complete. I was like, what the hell is that all about? And someone I saw, like, on the – I saw on Facebook just a few weeks yeah. ago, someone was saying that it's, like, kind of like a trick. If they – if you do that, then they can basically just inhabit your body. Yep. And if, I was just thinking about the rule of two so that Bane implemented – um, and then you go back to like Revenge of the Sith. It's like a halfway cringe scene when Palpatine, you know, have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> yeah. um, whenever he says, you know, he could, uh, you know, prevent others from dying, but he couldn't save himself. And he's, you know, ironic. Yeah. Um, was that Palpatine saying that or is that Darth Plagueis saying that? You know, uh, it was 100% Palpatine. 100%. All right. 100%. Uh, Palpatine. So in episode one, technically Plagueis is still alive through episode one. Okay. Uh, Palpatine killed him the night before he took over as uh, Chancellor, uh, and killed him pretty pretty uh, intensely. Got yeah. him nice and drunk and shocked him until he died. Uh, so Plagueis he 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 didn't teach him everything. I don't think. But enough to where I think the theory behind Padme having her life force drawn out so Anakin could survive the surgery to be Darth yeah. Vader, uh, I kind of subscribe to that theory. That okay. his his way of keeping somebody else alive is at the expense of someone else. So he's not mastered it, but he has a pretty good grasp on it, uh, yeah. at least to do that good enough. Interesting. Man, I don't think I talked to you about it. Someone was explaining to me the, uh, and you can smooth this out. What was the original debacle with like Rise? It was supposed to be different, right? Like maybe J.J. Abrams wasn't supposed to direct that one. There was another, uh, another director, Colin something or other, I think. Okay. Um, and it was, it was pretty different than what we got. Yeah. Whether or not it would have been better is debatable because we didn't mm-hmm. get to see the product. The the product. Uh, we can read kind of scripts. Mm-hmm. that he had um i don't have a lot well i do have my problems with rise uh but i'm a star wars nerd i like mm-hmm. all star wars it, disney can just take my wallet directly and i'll be okay but <clears throat> hot take there um but no it was it was going to be pretty drastically different than what we got yeah whether it would have been better that's subjective do you remember the details? Right now, I'm pretty upset because I, I recalled it all the other day. I remember there was like an execution scene. They had like a lightsaber guillotine. That's yeah, pretty cool. And I remember Hux kind of played a very different role. Very different role. I and, don't. I don't remember. Uh, I can pull up the because I've got it bookmarked somewhere on my phone. Uh, I can I can shoot that link to you at some point. But yeah, it was it was going to be pretty drastically different than what we got. I'm I'm not a hater at all. Like I said, I really oh I love the prequels. The prequels yeah. are my favorite. The sequels, not so much my favorite, but um I don't hate on them. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I I have 
some problems with him, and but that's it. I, you know, I didn't like Palpatine coming back at all. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was super lame, and I didn't like the fact that Ray was a Palpatine at all, because I'm sure you remember whenever um, the Force Awakens came out, there was all the speculation behind yeah. the way Ray par- Ray's parents. You know, is she Kenobi was a big one. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's all this speculation. And then so in uh, what's number eight, the last Jedi, last Jedi, when uh, Kylo tells her, you know, when he, he's inside her head and he says, uh, you know, I see who your parents are and they're nobody. Yeah. Everybody's like, OK, that's a little bit disappointed. We want it to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. But um, but all right. So, I mean, I think it really was supposed to be done at that point. Yeah. Like I'd, she's her own deal. And I. I wouldn't mind it either way. However, I would have done because she's a Palpatine. I would have done Rise differently. I would have had her give in to the dark side and actually become Empress Ray. Okay, like that's how it like that's how it would end. Uh, I would have. I mean, obviously, with my tattoos that I have, I'm I'm a big fan of the Sith. So, I would have been okay with her being the one to to live after the fight mm-hmm. and uh, just set herself on the throne as Empress Rey. Um, it would have been massively different than than any other Star Wars movie we've had where we have a bad ending. Yeah. Although, technically, Revenge of the Sith is not great, but... That's my favorite one. <laughs> well, I'm saying, like, it's it's not a good ending of Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of like, the not Sith a has... happy ending? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, for sure. But... <clears throat> No, I would have liked to see Empress Ray because they they leaned into that that idea of don't be ashamed of who you are throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of the movie of Rise of Skywalker, and at the end she's like, "I'm a Skywalker, not a Palpatine." And you know, there's also the theme of kind of like uh, oh, hard the huge theme of kind of like the gray Jedi concept. Just yep. uh, Luke is kind of like an apologist, like, "Hey, the Jedi Order was wrong." Yep. You know what I mean? So yes, they they actually were leaning that way a little bit. Yeah, and I wish. So Luke in the the old canon, he was very much more gray than what we what we got in the new canon. Okay. The old yeah. the old Luke, I think, was a little OP in the old canon. He couldn't do anything wrong. Very Gary Stu. Uh, but the, I think they leaned a little bit too far into the hermit Luke in the new canon. Although that is the only example that he had by Obi Wan and Yoda. Whenever True. they felt like they felt the only thing they did was, oh, I'm just going to go run away. Yeah. So those are the only examples he really had. But yeah, that that is a completely different. I mean, I guess that's the only canon. But uh, the, I mean, before that, like he was married. He yeah. Had lots of kids. He was like the grandmaster of the Jedi Order. Yeah. yeah. Totally different. Couldn't yeah. be any more different. There were uh, family members turning the dark side all the time. I yeah, mean, the, yeah. The Skywalker totally family. Different. You know the. The, the universe revolves around the Skywalker family and the yep. old canon. Yeah. Um, and what you said about how, you know, that you're just such a massive fan and Disney just can take your wallet. I think that's an awesome point because there are so many people who are diehard Star Wars fans. I really wish they would do every single thing you see on the internet. Like, I really do yeah. want Darth Revan, Darth Bane. I yeah. mean, everything and i mean i don't i mean i think it would be feasible i know nothing about it but i think it would be feasible for them be, to do everything it'd be cool it'd be cool to see a lot of a lot of the older stuff uh the man the the jedi civil war 
that led to the Mandalorian Wars before Knights of the Old Republic would be cool to see because you would see the rise of Revan and, mm-hmm. and Alec. Uh, and I think doing the reboot of the game Knights of the Old Republic would suffice for that storyline just because that was such an iconic game, an mm-hmm. iconic storyline. Uh, but then kind of go and explore the uh, Sith Triumvirate. I can never say the word. I, th- I think you basically just did Triumvirate, right? Yeah, uh, with uh, Sion, Treya, and Nihilus. Um, I think that would be a cool a cool little story to explore that they did really well in Knights of the Old Republic 2. But that would be a really good series because leading up to that point would be interesting. Man, I'm going to... It's really hard for me to stay on track because it's just like <laughs> such a huge conversation. One thing that I kind of wonder, because like all the new Star Wars stuff, and you know, you, you have so many like decades of fan fiction. Um, I think I don't think a lot of the stuff that we like to talk about that doesn't come from like the mind of George Lucas, right? Right. Is that kind of weird that Star Wars is kind of like a self-expanding universe? I mean, because I, you know, every Star Wars fan I think loves George Lucas, but you know, the all the new stuff is very different than like his original ideas. And I wonder how he feels about it too. I know, like he worked with he worked pretty close on the Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, even after the Disney takeover. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Uh, he was a big fan of the Ahsoka character, the Dave Filoni introduced and wonderfully crafted uh best right next to qui-gon best jedi ever uh only because she decided to leave and do her own thing that's a whole other discussion but uh no like i'm sitting i'm sitting here looking at my my shelf which is full of star wars books and i think for the most part he he enjoys the fact that he was able to create this world and let people play in it Mm. Because he's very much a storyteller, and uh, he pulls a lot from oral, uh, oral histories and oral stories from uh, the East. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think as a storyteller, it's fun to create a world and then just let itself expand. Um, so I, th- I think he's, I think he'd enjoy most of what was what's done, especially in the books. Um, he was a big fan of Thrawn when Thrawn was first introduced in the 90s. In the uh, 90s? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Heir to the Empire came out, I'm pretty sure, in the early 90s. Uh, one of the, it was, this, I think, the second expanded universe book right after Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Um, but the way they've handled characters like Thrawn and Ahsoka uh, are, are really exceptional. I think Lucas would be this, uh, proud of the world that he built. So that those characters can can come to fruition. Yeah, man, that's a good point. I mean, that is awesome. I imagine you're right. I remember. Um, I think his. I mean, I, I remember hearing some stuff like because they have some transcripts of the original scripts. Like I think it was General Kenobi and like Lord Vader. They like they were just very different characters, or maybe, yeah. but they like they were literally kind of. I don't think it was like full on empire at that point. I think they were on like two, I think the Republic was more or less together and they were like on two sides of it. And I think the first, like what gave him the idea of star Wars, the first picture he had in his head was Anakin and Obi-Wan's. Well, he pictured like a lightsaber battle inside of a volcano. Yeah. Like that was like the star Wars spark for him. And he kind of built everything out of there. So he imagined like a, some sort of duel in a volcano. And uh, I remember the ending for 
how he was going to end Star Wars, meaning how he was going to end Return of the Jedi, was going to be, I think, Luke and Vader fighting uh, in a volcano, and then the Force <laughs> ghosts of uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda um, coming to help him. And then uh, they are just OP as all get out. And yeah. that is where the, um, in A New Hope, uh, the whole Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, strike me down and I'll return more powerful than ever. Yeah. That was his idea. That's kind of like the I never heard that one. That's interesting. And I, I can't confirm that. I heard it from Star yeah. Wars Theory, which has never led me wrong before. Yeah, but, yeah he's, he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's... Another thing that can be made fun of plenty, and I make fun of it, is it's kind of an annoying thing where in like movies and TV shows where they like bring back every character to life that's supposed to, to life that's supposed to be dead. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like let a sleeping dog lie. But um, <laughs> all the Star Wars theory episodes I've heard about uh, Mace Windu, I actually would enjoy if he and i wouldn't even want it to be canon because like i said some people you know just <laughs> let them be dead you know you yeah. can't bring everybody back that's so terrible but um if there was like a, a what if scenario for star wars which i think they have uh, they absolutely need to do but what i would want to see if i was writing it myself would be a version where windu survives but since he's kind of like um because he's not a great Jedi in the sense that Qui-Gon definitely was or Soka was, yeah. but he does embrace aspects of the dark side. Yeah, he's but, he's. I'd say he's Jedi adjacent. Mm. <laughs> but since he held that line so strongly for so many years, uh, to his advantage, you know, he had a more aggressive fighting style than any of the other Jedi. I would love for him to, like, come back as a Sith. You know, like, screw this. <laughs> I, you know, I've walked the line for years. Yeah, just mad at Anakin. Like, you know, and the, I mean, the Jedi yeah. Order is gone. I would love to see him come back as, uh, I guess, maybe he, he wouldn't be a Sith, right? You can be a dark side a, user. A dark and not side be a user, Sith. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he he wouldn't he wouldn't like the Sith code. His Jedi uh, obligations would, would prevent him from going full Sith. But, yeah, I, I could see him getting real, real upset and going after Palpatine. Uh, wouldn't last long, but it would be... <laughs> It'd be interesting to see Samuel Jack just unleash Samuel Jackson. And you see, that would kind of be perfect too, because at least that would be a much more fulfilling death because yeah. like, what was the last show? Probably the Mayans, the last one I watched where um, someone on the internet said, you know, it's just, it's just a rule of television. Now, if you don't see a dead body yeah, and probably getting buried, you know, they might still be alive <laughs> and it gets to yeah. be a little bit annoying. It's like, it you does, tricked us it with does. that too many times, but if yeah. you have, so instead of him just flying out the window, I'm like, you know, oh, I guess he's dead. Yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. Came back dark have side. Have a nice fight with Vader. Like yeah, maybe a short lived, maybe short lived. If he yeah. went out fast and furious, that would be awesome. Yeah, and that would make sense. Have him, have him, come after a, a garrison of stormtroopers, and and Vader gets called in by Palpatine. Hey, deal that with deal with sick. this former Jedi master that told you that you're not a master. Yes. <laughs> One thing that um, I really I couldn't come to grips with forever was because I'm kind of like a Kool-Aid drinker. Um, mm -hmm. In the Air Force, they said I bled blue, but um, <laughs> I, I, I never got on board with like the Jedi Order was wrong. Yeah, which now I do. You yeah, know, absolutely, I do. But it's, I but that's very recent. That's like in yeah. the last year. You know, I kind of just I watched movies through like the view of the protagonist. So I was like, oh no, the Jedi Order is not wrong. No, they definitely were. But and I mean, I guess that's like a legitimate thing. But I'd never, I never saw it that way until probably this year. I think 
I finally came to that conclusion probably probably close to five years ago yeah, when okay. I really started digging into, oh, you know what? The Jedi, not necessarily the good guys. And, you know, honestly, like, like I said, I, through the eyes of the protagonists, you know, um, I think you are supposed to lean Jedi really heavily. Yeah. But sometimes if you're watching like Attack of the Clones, it's a little bit gross, like especially yeah. like Windu and Yoda when they're talking about, um, you know, well, what are we going to have to do to make sure the Republic survives? That's like some, you know, shitty politician stuff, you know. <laughs> As a libertarian, that makes my, you know, that makes let's my use our our religious bit. power, the Roman Catholic Church. Let's take over the the government of this Republic. It is a lot like that, and I didn't know until Star Wars Theory that. Um, I didn't realize how connected, like, because the Jedi Order started at the same time as the Republic, right? Like, the, uh, the actual Jedi yeah. Order and the Republic started at the same time, and they had always been together, yeah. basically. They'd always been allies, yeah. Yeah, it's it's always been kind of a, a relationship where the the Republic would say, hey, we need some some help keeping peace in this sector. And the Jedi would just send some negotiators over there. Kind of like episode one, where we see Qui-Gon and, and Obi-Wan meet with the Separatists to negotiate a trade deal. That's kind of... that. Is there a name for that? That's like... That's a style of Jedi, right? Like, there were there were a couple Jedi that might like, never use their lightsabers, right? Uh, I mean... Qui-Gon was kind of in that school, yeah. like more of a negotiator than anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... that. So the Kenobi's nicknamed by Grievous is the negotiator. Yes. And that stems back from that episode one when we first see Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon come in as negotiators. Uh, and that's kind of been Obi-Wan's he'd rather negotiate and talk his way out of something. Well, that's just because he's a, a kind of a Jedi runt. He was never a very yeah. strong Jedi. Yeah. but like, Defensively, but not offensively. But that's how Qui-Gon met Plagueis, right? He didn't know that was Plagueis, but it was right. on a diplomatic mission, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, the normally the people that try not to use their lightsabers will have green ones. So yeah. you've got Yoda and Qui-Gon. Uh, there's two more on the council. I can't think of their names off the top of my head. But they're they're very much let's let's try to negotiate our way and talk our way out of the situation. Or they rely or, more on their force abilities, right? Than, yeah, rather blue than combat. Is more, blue is more like lightsaber focused. Yeah. Dude, something that I think's awesome because, like I said, I grew up with the originals. You know, grew yeah. up with the originals. But as soon as the prequels came out, I immediately kind of hated Luke <laughs> because, and dude, still to this day, it irks me so bad because, like, with all the lore that we have now, like becoming a Jedi is insane. Yep. You know what I mean? Years of training. There's weird like meditation stuff. It's not even all fun stuff. Yeah. There's so much stuff. It's years and years. It's a lifetime. But then Luke is just OP. Like, oh, I trained at Dagobah for what? Maybe a few months? Six months. So, dude, pisses me off. Pisses me off. You know, he never had any like formal training really. And that really makes me and mad. And then three weeks of training-ish before he did the Death Star Trench Run. Right. Very Gary Stu. <laughs> very gay yes. too but you say that to a larger gatekeeping community and they get up in arms yeah but very gary stew i've always loved anakin and uh one thing that i think is beautiful honestly is how nowadays like new stuff that comes out it shows that like the force 
loves Anakin. It's yeah. kind of cool how many cool things come out of him because obviously there's Luke. Obviously there's Ahsoka. I think it was something you and maybe was it you and Caleb that were talking about Star Wars? And I said that, you know, Anakin missed out on having Qui-Gon as a master, yeah, yeah. which the whole duel of the fates thing, that would have been yeah. a, like, there would have been no Darth Vader if Qui-Gon yeah. would have trained it him. It would have been, the universe would have been much better off. Yeah. <laughs> so he missed out on not having Qui-Gon as a master, but he kind of had him as an apprentice because Ahsoka is very much like Qui-Gon. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, much. like Ahsoka probably, she would have been probably a very different product if it wasn't for Anakin. It, yeah. yeah. And I then, um, and it's like part of his imperfections thing. And then something I've not seen because I've not watched all of the Clone Wars, but the uh, the episode where him, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka they all go to like the Force Planet, Mortis, the Mortis arc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's I mean, good... they they were all pretty impressed with uh, yeah. Anakin, right? Yeah, that was that was a really cool arc of episodes where you see the manifestations of the Force. See, that sounds like something that I wouldn't like, but the more I listened, I was like, dude, I'm I'm really into that. That's pretty yeah. damn cool. Uh, you get a, a kind of a Anakin gets a glimpse of himself becoming Vader, and uh, unfortunately, at the end of it, it was all a dream. But oh, really? Oh, wait. What are you talking about? They imply that it was just a dream. Uh, really? Yeah. Spoiler alert. But yeah, <laughs> they imply that it. They imply that it was just a dream because they don't remember exactly what happened. Okay. Interesting. Uh, still an interesting arc. It it sets up a lot of stuff. Uh, for some future character development, especially between Ahsoka and Anakin. Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting, dude. It's a little bit dark. A lot of the, cause I guess there were some Vader comics that are pretty good. Yes. And um, there's um, just like, if you really think about, and this is something kind of that was awesome about the show Kenobi when you're seeing like a pretty new Darth Vader, if you kind of embrace the concept of like, um, Anakin leaning into the dark side basically as the only outlet he has for like his pain because yeah. it's kind of like if you try to think about it like in real terms like imagine you lose like a family member and basically instead of like trying to fight it or come to terms with it you just kind of lean into it and become like a serial killer or something <laughs> yeah like that sounds even crazier but like the more you think about it the more it's like that might be a thing that that's it's one way to deal with that a, a way it's a way to deal with things not a healthy way but it definitely is a way yeah uh, that the Obi-Wan show, a lot of people had issues with it. I thoroughly enjoyed the Obi-Wan show. I couldn't believe that they showed the Jedi temple scene because yeah. that's something that fans wanted really bad. And everybody kind of just accepted like that, you know, maybe sometime in the future. I don't think anybody expected that yeah. from Kenobi. And, and what they did really well. So I'm going to compare the Boba Fett show to the Obi-Wan show. Okay. And how flashbacks were used. Okay. So Boba Fett had a lot of flashbacks. And I think they were used ineffectually because they were trying to tell the story with the flashbacks. Okay. Whereas in Obi-Wan, we're using the flashbacks to set the stage for the story. We're not trying mm -hmm. to tell a story through the flashback. Uh, and, and everything in the flashback was relevant to the current storyline. It wasn't just a flashback to tell a story leading up to the story that we have now. Mm -hmm. So the use of flashback in that Jedi temple scene was the right way to use flashbacks. And I hope star Wars continues to do that style rather than use flashbacks for story. Mm -hmm. 
Very true. And there was that. Oh, and you know, just the, the, the last interaction he had with Obi-Wan, I think was pretty awesome where yes. Anakin kind of comes back a little bit, just a little bit, which I mean, you know, I could see Darth Vader or Anakin saying it honestly. So, yeah. whereas, you know, Oh, I'm not your failure. You know what I mean? I'm just something different. The, um, the line that Vader says the first time that they meet, I am what you made me mm-hmm. is one of the, I'll, I'll probably one of the most poignant lines of that show. And probably one of the most uh, most important for it, because he's blaming Obi Wan. In that point, hey, I'm I'm a product of what you have taught me, and this is what it's led to. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of pushes Obi Wan to the point, like, okay, this is all my problem. Before he finally realizes, Anakin's really gone, and it's mm-hmm. not really my fault, mm-hmm. even though Vader, who's technically different than Anakin, is saying different. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah and, one of my favorite know, lines. Obi Wan Kenobi is one of the best. I have, I basically have no complaints about him. But I think it is very fair to say that he, because he's not like Qui Gon, because there's yeah. not a lot of bend to him. Like I think it is pretty fair to say that that happened. Yeah, and there's some funny stuff like how. You know, I'll, I might not ever understand how nobody on the Jedi Council knew that Anakin was married. You know what I mean? And making babies. I'm pretty sure. I'll have to. I'll have to start to look it up. I'm pretty sure it was kind of like one of those unwritten things that we don't talk about. Uh, and I think it's the Bad Batch. Okay. Uh, it's implied that Obi Wan knows well before Episode Three about Padme and, and Anakin. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna guess it's probably one of those. Let's just make him think we don't know about it, but let's not talk about it. Yeah, that adds up. There was something else right there about it. Daddy Gum. This only <laughs> happens to me when I'm doing podcasts, man. <laughs> Obviously. This You'll think about happens. it as soon as we're done. Yeah. Anakin, Kenobi. I mean, yeah, I, I enjoyed Kenobi thoroughly. I was uh, surprised with a lot of stuff in there. Uh, Boba Fett, I wasn't very excited for. Um, I did end up liking it very much. I not I wasn't disappointed, but one thing I complain about only on principle because I enjoyed it. I complain about it on principle. I just don't really appreciate the fact that it was Mando 2.5. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think they, you know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I was glad to see it. I was glad to see more Grogu and Mandalorian, and yeah. Luke. I was glad to see all of it. But I feel like Boba Fett was good enough that it deserved kind of its own run own thing. instead yeah. of just yeah. Not- not season 2.5 right on the coattails of dinjarin yeah yeah and and i've always been a jango fett guy over a boba fett guy mm-hmm. uh again we grew up with the prequels so yes. rather than the the originals but no i liked it and then how they set up the the ahsoka show that's coming out next year i believe mm-hmm. and mandalorian season two uh a i like ahsoka but i'm more excited to see thrawn a live yeah. action thrawn uh and how they're going to pull that off. But I know you said you wanted to talk about that guy on my Facebook that I posted. Dude, you are, I mean, (laughs) you talk about political stuff all the time, like not in an annoying way. And I mean, it helps a lot that I like agree with all of your stances anyways. I'm sure that helps a lot, but yeah, man, there's a lot of gems and we can talk about any of them, but that (laughs) one I thought was a pretty great example. That one was pretty funny. So for context, for anybody that's watching 
on one of our Altus discussion pages, we had a citizen claim that the city of Altus doesn't care about people because when you're driving into town from the north side, there's only a couple of restaurants on the right-hand side of the road. And he thought that we should put it evenly. Or was it the other way around on the left side? Either way, he was wanting everything to be on one side or the other or equally on both. And I had posted, I had shared it, blocked out his name, shared it to my personal Facebook. And uh, I said, this, tell me you don't understand government and economics without telling me you don't understand government and economics. Uh, the amount of government energy that it would take to do that is, is a lot of tyranny and a lot of uh, infringements on property rights. Uh, and it just, it blows me away that, that there's people that want the government to, to get in so much of their lives that we need equal restaurants on equal sides of the road. And uh, I, just, I, I don't think, understand it. Uh, yeah, I think he was complaining. And I don't even know why it's in, I guess, just in his head it's an issue. He was complaining that there are, I think, from what I understood, he was complaining that there are too many restaurants and just like major like stores and stuff like that on the right-hand side of the road because that's the, you know, right turns are easier and safer than left turns. So he was like, there's going to be fewer wrecks with like new drivers. Yeah. But yeah, he was complaining that, yeah, they, they tried, they did, they went too far that way. Here we like go. Let me just put everything on the right side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll pull it up. He said, example number one of why the city of Altus doesn't trust anyone who drives through the town. When coming into town from the north, every single place to eat is on the right side of the road except for Whataburger, Chicken Express, and the Plaza, which are basically in the parking lot of the most populated business of Altus. The rest are on the right side of the road where less experienced drivers can easily turn. And really... That's not even true. If you drive through Altus, there's plenty of restaurants on the right side. He's yeah, talking about the very front part, the very north section of Altus, not even further down the road. I've not figured out why anyone would go anywhere other than Hutch's yet, but that's just me. <laughs> that's me on my Altus. We got an Allsup's now. We just got an Allsup's. That that's another gas station, right? It is. Yeah. Is that so, are they? They're from Texas. Is that more of a Texas? Yeah, thing? I think they're a Texas thing. I still prefer Hutch's because their burgers are bomb. But man, I I never had one of their burgers. But one night I went through there. I think it was probably about uh, ten o'clock at night. And um, what was I doing that time? By the way, I guess it was for work. Um, but I had a baked potato. Yeah, like a loaded baked potato with like chili and all this stuff. And dude, it was. I mean, I think I just worked like maybe which day. I don't. I'm losing my mind because uh, I had to go to Altus a few times, and I guess I remember. Anyways, yeah, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'd probably worked um, like 16 or so hours that day, yeah. and uh, I was thinking about Hutch's all day because I went before, and I didn't get anything. I was just – that was the first time I went in, so I was just looking at everything and, yeah, eating a, a dadgum baked potato on the way back. 10 o'clock uh, at night? Yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty good. But uh, no, and so legit. I stepped down from city council uh, last month, I believe, uh, because I had personal life, but I'm moving out of the ward that I represented, and I didn't feel it was the right thing to do to stay stay there while I'm not living in that ward. Oh, you have the option? No, you really okay. don't, but there have been things that have happened in the past. Uh, I'm sure. 
since my mailing address is still technically in the ward, mm-hmm. I could still technically, and physical address is still in the ward, I could technically still do it, but I'm not living there. In reality, yep. I'm not living at that address. So it, it wouldn't be right for me to continue in that seat. Um, gotcha. So I step down. There are eight people taking that are signing up to take my place, which is ridiculous because I ran against nobody. Nobody ran against me. Uh, so either I pissed a lot of people off or I inspired a lot of people. I'm gonna either way gonna, is awesome. Either way, uh, and and the thing that I'm most proud of that I got done uh, was our budget policy that we passed uh, last year, <clears throat> which made made the budget a lot more transparent. Uh, a process that we came up with makes it a lot easier for the budget to get out and easier for the public to understand and look at. We didn't get the budget cuts that I really wanted to, but we got the but the transparent budget process. In See, that's policy. really cool. That's something I would not think of. You know, I would think, you know, city council, you're trying to, you know, fix the budget, but um, just the transparency thing, that's, that's also a very big deal. Yeah. Maybe that's even more achievable if someone actually has the idea and decides to try to do that. I mean, depending yeah. on the council, of course, but yeah, that's a, that's a good idea that if I was on a city council, I would overlook. And that, that's pretty huge, man. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, I didn't, I was very disappointed with the budget process the first year I was on council because mm-hmm. um, I took council seat in May and we had to pass a, pro- a budget in June. Mm-hmm. So I had zero time to look at a budget brand new to city city budgeting had no idea what was going on uh they only put a summary of a budget in the newspaper a month before the budget passes which is always different than what the actual budget ends up being Mm. Uh, and i was just extremely displeased with it so i came up with a policy that made sure that it's published to the public in full at the same time that council receives it um they publish it on the website We've got a really cool software that I worked with uh, our city staff on getting and, and implementing and uh, really happy with the product that, that we came up with. Uh, it's a it's a testament to council being able to work with city staff uh, to get things done. But if that's the only thing that I accomplished, that, that's enough for me. Dude, I'm, I'm really glad you feel that way because that is something. I mean, for me, it's easy to imagine. For you, I'm sure it's even easier to imagine um, your term with, like, nothing particularly positive to look back on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you could be like, oh, I won an argument with this guy. Yeah. Right? So the fact that you have that to look back on, that's uh, that's pretty damn special, dude. I wish I would have had a second big thing to, t- to, to pass with that no-knock warrant stuff, but, uh, you know, Altus isn't ready for that conversation yet, I don't think, so. From what I know about their uh, fraternal order of police lodge or whatever it was, <laughs> yeah, I would I, I agree with you. They're not ready for that one. We actually have uh, a military police guy who's gonna who was a former Altus Police Department mm. who's running to take my spot, and he reached out to me <clears throat> to talk, and I said, just so you know, if you want my support, it's gonna come with the disdain of Altus Police Department, yeah. and he wanted to get together to understand why. Hopefully I get with him sometime and hopefully he's open to the conversation of why I believed the way I believe. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Well, dude, if you ever, um, if you ever, cause 
Yeah, the first time we actually met, it was after the podcast, but the yeah. first time we met in person was for that city cleanup. Yeah. If you ever wanted to do that again, just to rub the dirt in some of like, the current <laughs> councilman's eye, I think you would get a similar crowd, man. I bet the Matthews yeah. would come. I would definitely come. Um, maybe will, depending on the day. Um, if you ever wanted to do something like that. Uh, well, something something I learned one. on uh, while I was on council was you actually – don't realize the power that you as a citizen have showing up to those city council meetings. Mm -hmm. um, so I can actually affect more change being on this side of that horseshoe than I could while I was up there. Mm -hmm. uh, council is very easily swayed by public opinion there at the council meeting. Gotcha. Um, there was an example that I've got is back in the month before I left. So it would have been July June-ish, um, there was a guy who owns a piece of property. You remember United, where we were, that United store where we were picking up? Oh, yes, absolutely. So there was a lot next to it, which is, I think it was just to the east of it, that had a really bad, crappy-looking house. Well, the mm -hmm. guy who owned it tore it down, redid the lawn, or redid the plot, and he wanted to put an insurance building there mm -hmm. to run an insurance building. He went and he was trying to get it rezoned so he could do that. I'll leave my views of zoning laws out right now, but uh, he came to the board of or the zoning and planning commission and they approved it and then it had to come to council. There was one person that didn't want it done because they lived across the street and she came to the council meeting and was able to convince enough of council that because she felt that there would be too much foot traffic in her neighborhood that she didn't want it done and the council didn't approve it. So we told, this, <laughs> we told this guy who owned this property, spent the money to get it redone and tear down this nasty looking house, just had to tell him, no, we as a city are going to impede on you and not let you do what you want with your property because one person who does not own a piece of your property wanted to tell you what to do. Sure. Um, so the power that people have going to their city council meetings is immense. So I'm hoping once my life calms down a little bit to get a little more involved that way and doing those cleanups, I'm going to try to try to put one together at least twice a year. Wow. Um, I was being a sincere smart ass. Like I was being <laughs> a smart ass, but I meant it. I will yeah. I'll show up and I'm sure you'll have other people show up, but I'm glad to hear that, man. Like I said, I'm being sincere, but I was being a smart ass. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Those cleanups, we, there was a lot of good reactions from the city folk uh, of us going around doing that. Awesome. But is there anything else? I mean, I'll talk about anything that I've, that I've posted, but I know it's getting. Yeah, dude, you know, late. we talked about star Wars a little bit more than I thought. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. ask you mainly about the, um, I was going to ask you about the, essence transfer thing yeah, was what it's I, a problem that, that was my star wars question and we talked about it for most of the time it's a Didn't problem i have even scratched the surface though no which is the crazy thing uh but i enjoyed this immensely i'm very glad this was my uh first episode coming back <laughs> and uh, i really appreciate it dude very well, much. I, I appreciate you having me on anytime man all right thanks dan i'll see you soon on here again and i'll uh, see you over in altus as well all righty take it easy Bye. all right guys that was dylan fazell and uh, something I was going to say at the top of the show right now, like a lot of you, um, our own pod father, the bootleg libertarian, he is uh, getting sh rammed by Hurricane Ian right now. So 
Um, I'm not telling you that you need to check on him because he has people checking on him. I'm not telling you not to check on him because you guys are his family. Uh, what I am saying though is, you know, thoughts and prayers and that's, you know, pretty corny and, uh, liable to get made fun of, but, uh, I sure am thinking about bootleg and all of you guys that are in that area right now and encourage you guys to do the same. Uh, remember all of our sponsors. Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of the not a real veteran podcast. And I will be seeing you next week.